dear mama, the commies are coming. Gonna take away all my G.I. Joes. You always said if the commies are coming, sing real loud until the trumpet blows. Oh, child, don't you close your eyes. Keep a sovereign watch until the morning light. Oh, child, don't you fear the morning. Papa's gonna come a-riding on the storm. Papa's gonna come a-riding on the storm. Okay, guys. Hi, it's Carmen with the Stacios podcast. No apologies. I'm here today with Tim Dukeman again. If you guys remember... Tim and I last talked about Marxism, and that's actually our most popular podcast episode to date. So excited to have Tim back on to talk about critical race theory. Hello, Tim. Hey, how's it going? It's going pretty well. Busy day. How about you? How have you been? I've been uh, staying busy fixing the world one Facebook post at a time. (laughs) As usual, yes. Yes, and you're doing the podcast thing. People can find your uh, continued conversation, similar conversations to the ones that we're having over at Unsafe Space. Is that mm-hmm. your, yep, cool. Yep, by the time this podcast drops, the episode at Unsafe Space should be up. Um, Sweet. So that, that was a good opportunity. I, I got to uh, talk about how social justice ideology is infiltrating the church. So I'm excited for that conversation to come out. I think it'll be helpful to a lot of people. Yeah, I think it's awesome that this conversation, it seems like it's becoming a lot more mainstream and picking up Mm -hmm. steam and a lot of Christians want to talk about it and deal with it. So that's exciting. Yeah, I'm from all the riots and things being set on fire. Yes. (laughs) Trying to figure out that this whole just go along with the Marxist program isn't working out so well. Yeah. So we're ready to reconsider it, which is right. good. All the death and destruction is creating a sense of urgency. So that's good. Right. <laughs> yeah, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite things is whenever people asked about, uh, Jordan Peterson was asked about how he knows uh, communism is bad. And he's like, well, because of all the murders. <laughs> yeah, I see that. <laughs> Right. You have to be like malevolent, yes. basically, like completely ignorant of history or malevolent right. to still think that there's anything compassionate about communism. Yeah, I've seen that clip. It's very good where he's like, either you are staggeringly stupid or you right. don't like people. Those are the only two possibilities right. for supporting this ideology. But sadly, as we've seen, a lot of people have been super passive about fighting it and debunking it and challenging it. And so now we have a real mess on our hands, Um, which, oh, sorry, no, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just reading. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue because a big piece of this mess, I would say, is critical race theory, especially, you know, we're seeing all kinds of different Marxism, but in particular Marxism in the form of racial grievances and racial Mm -hmm. conflict is, at an all-time high. So let's let's dig into critical race theory, which is informing a lot of this. And you want to mm-hmm. just give folks a definition of what it is. So critical race theory is basically the, the ideology of Marxism applied to race. So what they do is they say, well, we don't have equal outcomes for every racial group, which if you think about it, like just at the beginning, if you have however you want to break it down, you have 10 different races in a society, the odds that all of them are going to have statistically identical aggregate outcomes is basically zero. (laughs) Right. Just just to begin with, I mean, if you had any group, I mean, if you broke it down by blondes versus brunettes and redheads, like, and found out that that the outcomes were different, like, that would be entirely uncontroversial and exactly what you would expect because the odd, like, there's just no there's no way you're going to have exactly identical outcomes and you're going to expect that for whatever reasons especially if you have groups where you have cultural differences being included in in the distinction between the groups which is definitely the case with race you would expect that some cultures are going to be more conducive to success in a particular society than others and whether that's 
and, and that may be good or bad. Well, like maybe there's a problem with society, but jumping to, oh, there's not equal outcomes. Therefore, society is systemically racist. Right. Is Crazy. bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think Thomas Sowell has a really interesting quote that speaks to it where he says something along the lines of, we don't even see equal outcomes within a single family yeah. <laughs> very consistently. So why right. on earth would we expect equal outcomes in an extremely diverse, large nation like you're describing? Right. You can have identical twins. Yeah. And <laughs> often have a different outcome. Yeah. Because people are different and like, Choices, choices. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that 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 is really like at the beginning. That's the divergence, really, here between um, a Christian view and a, a Marxist view. Is that critical race theory is basically going to say that what's driving the outcomes is factors outside of you. Mm. So, if you're successful, then you must be privileged by society. If you're unsuccessful, then society must be holding you down. Gotcha. In both of those situations. Your individual choices and mindset don't matter, which yeah. is just laughably false. If you uh, if you know anything about getting anywhere in life, you have to have a, a good mindset if you're going to get anywhere. And the the best way to ensure that someone and, and you can talk to well, yeah, you did talk to a psychologist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I listened right. to that episode. And yeah, like, if you're going to be successful and you're going to improve your lot in life, you have to have an internal locus of control. You yeah. Have to that you have the ability to affect how your life turns out. That point that he made, I thought was really, really important where he talked about that, you know, it was just such a striking difference between people who blame what's wrong with their life on everything that's external versus those that work on what is internal. And he just said, you know, the results were like insanely different and positive right. for the person who recognizes what they can control and works on that, which, you know, makes yeah. sense. Like you said, anybody who's kind of tried that or observed that, I mean, we, we know that to be true. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And the thing to keep in mind is that like, like he was talking about, if you had a black person in front of you, cause that's where all the, always where this goes. Um, and you just wanted to help him be successful in life. You would never just drill into his head how oppressed he is. You would never drill into his head that society is racist against them. You would never drill into his head that cops are hunting them. Like, these are never things that you would tell someone that you just care about and want them to succeed. But this is exactly what critical race theory does. And the idea that the, the loving and empathetic and sympathetic and um, that loving your neighbor is embracing critical race theory ideology, which is exactly what the left, uh, the progressive Christians are saying right now. Like, it's just outrageous. Like, so cancel culture is, is famously this, but cancel culture is basically the woke ideology being enforced on others. Um, and the reason that cancel culture has to exist is because these ideas are so preposterous on their face that if you allow there to be conversation about the merits of these ideas, you're going to lose the argument. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. So have the argument. 100%. So they, they basically just stop the argument from happening. And yeah. they, they, they put all of their efforts into silencing anyone who, who makes rather pedestrian points like, well, we would expect all the groups to have identical outcomes anyway. Yeah. And there might be other factors beyond, beyond society that could be driving these outcomes. Right. Well, you're, uh, I mean, you're right. It applies to some of the most basic like obvious things and they won't argue them. Like, you know, there was the whole Twitter crusade against people who said that men are not women. They like were deleting accounts and right. stuff over that. And it's like, okay, why don't you contend with that? Explain to me why I should think that men are women. You can't like, you know, you're not, it's not, your argument is not going to be as good as mine. So they're going to, instead right. of contend, just destroy and intimidate. So if you're the kind of person whose ideology prevents you from giving a straightforward answer to the question, what is a woman? <laughs> You're going to have a hard time in any, in any situation where there are arguments being offered and refuted. Yes, that's a very good point. And is a little component of critical race theory that we should point out. I think some people are familiar with this, but critical race theory is where it's really 
the ideas really originated that victimhood is a type of currency. Like, so the more victim classes you are a part of, like, the more privileges you should have. So yeah, if sure. you're, like, a disabled, transsexual, Black, lesbian, uh, I don't know, <laughs> whatever else fits in those classes, that means that, like, you should be elected to the highest positions in the land and you should get the most reparations and stuff like that. Is that like a, is that a, a obviously I'm being kind of hyperbolic, but not that much. But is that no, a, yeah. a good description of intersectionality, which is oh, yes. and yes. almost always packaged with critical race theory. Mm. Um, so that, that's why they quickly get to, like it went from Black Lives Matter to like black trans lives matter yeah and, yeah yeah and then <laughs> and maybe you know that because people are like oh we can get extra <laughs> intersectionality points if we right. just make it into black trans lives matter we just slither in here is right. so now it's like b-i-p-o-c i don't know do they call it like bipoc <laughs> that's what it looks like to me but it used to just be poc and i'm wondering maybe you don't know the answer to this maybe you do but do they change it to black indigenous people of color because they realize that people like you know hispanics or asians or the the rules of engagement get really complicated if they start if they expand that to mean everybody like you know like generally yeah, yeah asians mess up a lot of their when they point to statistics, you know, so is, is, yeah, go ahead. They're quickly trying to jettison the Asians and just say that they're really white. Mm. Like that's, that's basically the move that's being made right now is that Asians are getting kicked out of the people of color club. Yeah. Cause they have, I've heard more about like melanin lately than I've heard previously. So now they're really kind of fixating specifically on like darker shades of skin color. That's like, it's not just people of color. It's not just oh, wow. non-white. Yeah. It's melanated people, to quote Nick Cannon. <laughs> well, yeah, Nick Cannon is a, uh, a disciple of Louis Farrakhan, who, my goodness, I listened to a podcast about the Black Hebrew Israelite Nation of Islam stuff, and it is just wild. Like, they think that white people were, like, created in a lab by a Black scientist or something. It's really great. Like, it's Oh, weird. It's, it's basically like Scientology. Like Scientology, mm. you just read the stuff that they actually teach, and it is so wild. Like, it's hilariously weird and out there. Um, yeah. Just, but the, yeah, it, it's on that level. Like, it's, gotcha. it's self-parody because it's so absurd. Right, um, right. Yeah, and being, and being presented very seriously. Like, Nick Cannon, right. like, I was like, you sound like a lunatic, but he's just sitting there like acting like what he's saying isn't 100% crazy and that's kind of where we are I mean, there's lots of people just saying stuff that's like wow that's super evil or that's super racist or that's right. just insane and you just think it's fine <laughs> you're just going just going yeah. down it's pretty messed up um where has did critical race theory come from I mean origins of uh, this yeah, strange so thing it grew out of it grew out of actually the legal movement and then spread out from there becoming its own ideology. But it's, it's based in critical theory, um, like the Frankfurt School, going back to Gramsci and and all of those guys in the Frankfurt School. It's that level, that method of analysis applied to race. The big thing you have to understand with critical race theory, like to boil it down, it it is finding invisible systemic racism everywhere. Mm. That's what it does over and over again. It, it's they They call it interrogating our systems to find the racism. They basically view society as endemically and, and hopelessly racist forever. Um, so it's going to be an endless process of removing all the racism from it mm. uh, and finding new ways. And, and so what would happen is that, let's say that somehow they got their communist revolution and like now all the races literally did have equal outcomes because everyone was basically impoverished because that's how it works in communism <laughs> right like, if that happened they would still say that society was like hopelessly racist or bigoted or whatever because they would find a new way to to draw the line yeah. basically right right kind of like what you're talking about where apparently there's like a a controversy in within in some circles in the black community of black people who are lighter skin 
are like not really black. And so what would probably happen is they would like pick out all the lighter skinned black people and yeah. be like not really black. They aren't they and they would compare like the outcomes of the like the lighter skin. And so they basically just get like a they zoom in further to find yeah. the to find the racism. It's basically like you get a bigger microscope. If you're not finding the racism, you're just not looking hard enough. Mm, yeah. there's, no, there's no element of, oh, cool. We you don't have a society. That's great. Yeah. Like there's no there's no arrival. It's endless interrogation forever. Right, um, right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you can just see that. They're, the goalposts are ever shifting all the time. Right. And um, I think you're right. Like th this is the thing I don't understand is like, how many people have to be like canceled or harassed or destroyed or excluded before more people catch on to like this is happening like i'm thinking for example like i mean it's pretty transparent to me that for a lot of people who are really deep into black lives matter activism they view whiteness as inherently evil and inherently racist and their mission is to uh, eliminate racism so that means eliminating white people right like i don't know i'm i'm, I mean, I'm just trusting them i'm just taking what they say yeah. to its logical end do you think people just don't understand that they don't see that they just i mean what where's the disconnect on that like it seems yeah pretty so I, yeah go ahead. what's going on is that these people have the idea that black people have been oppressed in america for so long that they just need to be in charge for a while to equal things out, basically. Like, so that's the argument is that these people have been held down by society. And in fairness, 60 years ago, that was actually true. Mm. It hasn't been true for a long time, but it was true a uh, long time ago. Um, but what they're, what they're trying to do is basically provide, um, like, to basically disperse the power or, or, more accurately concentrate the power within people of color and that like the ceos need all be black or a person of color or some kind of minority and so that's that's what they're that's what they're doing is and, and like they've got these rules of like you have to have so many black employees or so many black executives or so many black whatever or your your company's racist and the argument that they're making is that because those people, black people may have been denied those positions in the past. We have to give them to them now to provide that equality and not be a racist company or whatever it is. But I think very few people actually want to like get rid of white people, but they, they use racism and whiteness basically interchangeably. And so the, the leap from <laughs> whiteness is the problem to get rid of the white people is a really small one. And I don't understand at all why no one else seems to recognize that. <laughs> right? I mean, to me, I'm I'm kind of like, uh, okay, so white people are all racist and the new movement is to be anti-racist. If I right. just follow what you're saying, you're saying the new movement is to be anti-white people. <laughs> like, right. like, you know, like it's pretty transparent and that's racist. Like, But of course right. they've created this whole made up, definition of racism where you know nobody can be racist towards white people it reminds me when right. I you know when you're like a little kid and you're playing with your friends and you say like you're I, I don't know if you did this but I would play with my cousins and if they like would pretend to do anything to me I'd be like force field and the whole like you can't be racist like towards white people right. feels like a force field like it's like uh, this is a made up field. <laughs> yeah made up fake shield that i threw up so that you can't criticize me for doing something wrong but right. i digress yeah they have to change the definition of racism or otherwise the the hypocrisy would just be overwhelming <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's why that's why their dictionary is so important and ever-changing right and, and this is why I, I really think like for christians we have to we have to resist using their dictionary like we should not use their terminology. Yes, I'm. I'm convinced at this point. I, I don't think that the word racism is helpful at this point in in history. I think we should just ditch the word entirely and just say partiality uh -huh. or vain glory or something like that. Prejudice yeah. I think could work. Pride uh, or something, depending on what it is. By, yeah. by the left at this point.
but I think we should probably just stop saying racist as much as possible yeah. because it's not in the Bible. Like that word's not in the Bible. Yeah. So we, 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 racism classically defined as like hating someone else because of the race is a sin and the Bible says so, but it doesn't use the word. So I think we can just use the words the Bible uses. Right. Hey, we, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Pride. Pride. Yeah. Yeah. Partiality. Those are words, like you want to use is um, all of those things are sins and they're identified in scripture as sin. And I think we, if we just use, if we just believe the Bible and we use the words the Bible uses, we won't get in trouble. And we also won't get looped into things that have no connection to scripture at all. Yeah. And this is actually a good segue to talk about this. So within critical race theory, because like you said, it's just like constantly interrogating everything to try to find any little kernel of quote racism and so it spawned things like white privilege white fragility um there might be more i don't know it's hard to keep track but like what you're saying would help us kind of just get out of the weeds of talking about these made-up things Mm -hmm. um by just using biblical language versus these little concepts are there other ones besides white privilege and white fragility um, I think those are two of the biggest ones. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that the word anti-racist is now a important word to to be defined and understood for this conversation. Yeah. Um, I'll start there. Anti-racist is, is is has been defined by Ibram Kendi, who wrote a book called How to Be an Anti-Racist. Um, and in that, he basically says that you are not an anti-racist unless you're actively doing political activism. Um, in favor of the Black Lives Matter cause, basically. That's it. That's the only way. <laughs> but, but here's the thing is that the Christian left has picked this up. So if you're a Christian listening to this, like, you need to look out for whenever someone, if you hear a, bit, a Bible teacher say the word anti-racist, they are probably meaning the same thing that can, and they will, what they'll do is they'll, they'll even use his arguments verbatim. They'll say things like, it's not good enough to just be passively not racist. You have to be actively anti-racist. And that actively anti-racist has a very specific definition that is basically leftist political activism. Yeah, yeah. And so what they do is they try to take the, the commands of scripture and evacuate them of their understood meaning by anyone who like these letters were actually written to and take all that out and, and shove in basically Marxist political activism. And that's what loving your neighbor means. That's the, that's the, the trick they, they pull on people. And it works on a lot of people. If you're not, if you're, if you're not strongly committed to, I'm going to use the words the Bible used, and I'm going to use the dictionary that the Bible uses. And I'm going to define things the way the Bible defines them. If you don't do that, you can't. You can get suckered by this kind of thing very easily yeah. because it sounds good. And and they're it's popular. Yeah, right. it sounds good. You get a pat on the back. You know, mm-hmm. it's not controversial. You know, you seem like the good guy. Yeah, they they try to appeal to history, and so they'll they'll bring up like the they'll tell these horrible stories of like lynching, and then they'll try to be like, and that's. Just like what happens today when a when your church doesn't have any black elders. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no not that's black. not just like that. that Sorry. <laughs> and I can't believe you just said that with this way. And that should like honestly, I really think that like one of the best things we can do in this conversation is to just say, no, that's ridiculous. I'm sorry. Like, I can't take you seriously right now. Right, right. No, I think that is. I think I think Christians can be a lot less polite. And that's like a controversial thing to say. Yeah. I don't mean like not be polite as in be like mean spirited, but I mean be much more discerning and clear right. and firm about the things that require you to be that way. Like and like you said, some of this is transparently ridiculous. And yeah. if someone's subscribing to it, chances are they're very confused or feeling a lot of pressure or whatever it might be. And it's very loving for you to point out like, whoa, that is real messed up. <laughs> Let's think about it in a much better way. Yeah. And, and I think we like that would help so much if more people just said, no, 
I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just let you let that slide. I'm not gonna just pretend that the thing you just said made any sense at all. I'm not going to act like that's a reasonable comparison at all. It's not. Like the thing you just did is ridiculous. <laughs> and Definitely. and there, there needs to be some of that. And like you can do that lovingly and and carefully. And 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 some of the people who parrot these talking points are doing so with the best of intentions. And yeah. that's really important to remember. Right. That like lots of really good hearted people are being caught up in this. Yes. Um, I have seen a lot of people actually, it's been very encouraging. I have a lot of friends who are trying in very like personal ways to reach out to fellow right. Christians who are falling into this and just, you know, kind of doing what we're talking about here of being like, wow, do you really think that all white people are racist? Or wow, you really actually think, you know, whatever this, the crazy du jour of the day is. And right. the people, the well-intentioned Christians, like you said, are just kind of getting sucked up to the, sucked up into this are like, thank you for pointing that out. You know, like I didn't really thought about it. You're something you know, like that. So right. I think hopefully people should be encouraged listening to this, that like, especially depending on the relationship, if there's some trust there, if you've talked about various theological things before, you know, just, just mm -hmm. go out there and go out. Maybe I know it feels a little uncomfortable sometimes, but just push a little yeah. bit. And very often if they're coming from a well-intentioned place, you're going to help them. Right. No, I agree. And I think one of the best questions you can you can ask, and you probably want to ask this a few different ways in the conversation when you're dealing with someone who's fallen into woke ideology, is what are you trying to accomplish here? Um, because the, the what they'll tell you is that they're trying to accomplish justice. And then you need to get them to explain what that is and how, they, how they're defining that word. Um, because if you're just trying to like, and the other thing I would say is you should ask them, are you trying to lift up who the people you see as downtrodden, or are you just trying to level people? Because those are not remotely the same thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you, if your goal is to lift up the downtrodden, then you're going to try to do things that help them succeed and help them catch up or get ahead or whatever. If you're, if your goal is equity, which is equal outcomes, that is always and necessarily going to involve tearing down innocent people who have not done anything wrong but are just more successful than others <laughs> yeah yeah no that's that's a very good point to make you're right because i think a lot of people have been sucked into thinking that the whole equity thing is isn't nefarious and isn't bad and will actually lead to you know, some great utopia, but I mean, you're completely right. right that if the goal is just to make us all equal and there's some, especially there's some governmental entity that's going to bring that about. I mean, the results are 100% consistently disastrous every yeah. time. So no, yeah, something that I think would be helpful if you're talking to a Christian is ask them what they believe about scripture, because I really think that if you believe that scripture is sufficient for faith and godliness, that it, it is useful for teaching, preaching, correction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be fully equipped. If you believe that, then this idea that we need these Marxists to come in and tell us how to live out our Christian faith is just preposterous. Right. If you think scripture is enough, that it does make us fully equipped, then you have to answer the question, why has no Christian, no person who ever even claimed Christ, even thought about doing the stuff that these people are proposing <laughs> until 20 years ago? Like for all, we had 2,000 years of church history. And for all that time, none of this stuff had, had even been conceived of. And, and this idea that like every, every Christian for the first 2,000 years of church history was not loving their neighbor is ridiculous. It's yeah. preposterous. It's the yeah. height of chronological snobbery. It really and, is. But that, that, is the, that is the move you have to make if you're going to get on the woke bandwagon is you have to say that every Christian ever until 2000, around, between 1980 and 2010, <laughs> somewhere in that range, we, we apparently figured out what it means to be a faithful Christian. Right that no one had ever known before and well, is 
clearly forwards the scripture. None of this stuff is in the Bible. Yes, everything that you're saying is totally correct. Well, and it's just, I mean, how we got here, intertwined in so much of this is just complete and total ignorance and disregard Mm -hmm. for history, right? Like, I just, I laugh at this idea that the average leftist college student who, you know, is burning things down or whatever it may be, is more moral and more loving and more helpful than the white Christian soldier who died fighting to free the slaves or something. You know, right. like, it's like, this or is George insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, I, the fact that, I mean, it's just, I guess it's, it's pride, it's ego, it's ignorance, it's so many things all rolled into one. And then, of course, we have, like, a media Hollywood machine that just cranks out emotionally compelling narratives to confirm those biases in people. And, whew, it's not good. (laughs) Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Um, Well, we've kind of already touched on this a little bit, but in case there's anything else you want to add, obviously, we both are of the agreement that this is, very bad for culture and for the church. Are there other ways that it's destructive that may not people people might not be realizing just yet? Yeah, so let me talk about white fragility for a second. Okay. White fragility is the title of a book by Robin D'Angelo, and it's one of the most pernicious books ever written in human history. Like it's just awful in every way possible. It, it's the kind of book that you would write if you wanted to bring back Jim Crow, but just put white people on the bottom mm. and, and say that white people had to sit at the back of the bus. Like, White Fragility is the kind of book you would write if, you, if that was your goal. I don't know if that's Robin D'Angelo's goal or not. She thinks that that's what justice requires. But that is the kind of book you would write. And so what White Fragility says is that basically, if you're a white person and you don't want, and you want to admit or that you're a racist at the beginning. You can you can admit you're a racist and she will like train you on how not to be a racist, which basically involves reflecting every interracial interaction through the lens of race and ma- making everything insanely awkward. <laughs> right? That's like so much of this stuff. Like anybody oh. who reads that book, like if they have black friends now, they're not going to by the end of it like <laughs> their black friends are going to be so annoyed <laughs> they're going to be like wow you got really weird <laughs> yeah 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 because everything becomes incredibly awkward and you have to apologize for everything that could possibly like like what, what we're, like like we were talking about with critical race theory at the beginning so critical race theory like when you like maybe it made sense to talk about critical race theory during jim crow like i think you could make an argument that like systemic racism was absolutely a problem because we had a system that literally said black people <laughs> have less rights. So yeah, you, you could say systemic racism was totally happening back then. But but now that we've like solved the actual real systemic issues, like using a, a recognizable definition of that term, we're, we're basically zooming in finding even more narrow conception of what racism is. And we're having to get a bigger microscope, basically. Yeah. Uh, and that's what white, fil- white fragility does hardcore, is it it takes everything you do and it's like, well, does this, could this possibly invoke how Black people were mistreated in the Jim Crow South or during slavery? Because if it could, then it's racist. And that is, that standard is impossible to live by. Uh, Like, one of the, like, give me, I'll I'll give you a, a concrete example. She says that in these Basically, they're effectively now a struggle session. If you're familiar with that term at all, yeah, yeah, they're not really racial reconciliation. It's more like white self-flagellation. Um, but in these sessions that she holds, if white women should make sure that they don't cry, because white women's tears have been used as a uh, a pre a pretense and and as a causal agent for lynching, and so you are bringing in. You are racially traumatizing the black people in the room if you're a white woman and you start crying. Oh like gosh. these are words that are in this book. It is absolute madness. It's completely insane. And so what white fertility does is it, it says that you're a racist 
And if you want to admit you're a racist, then you're 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 being fragile. That, that's why your white fragility talking is you're not willing to have the hard conversation that inexorably ends with you being a racist. And if you cry because right. you're you're feeling guilt or whatever right. for being racist, then you're also being racist. <laughs> yeah. It is oh my unbelievably gosh. bad book. Um like both painful to read and also the other thing that's interesting, if you read if you read closely in the book, is that it makes you what like you keep wondering, is Robin DeAngelo just an insanely racist person, and that's why she wrote this book? Because she sounds super duper racist. Like when when some of the things she talks about, like basically just that, like I've never even thought that about black people before, and I'm not sure why you do. Like oh. that's the thing you have over and over and over again reading this book. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that's always super awkward <laughs> when you like, out. You're like. I think you might be racist. I think you might be the racist one. Like, maybe, maybe this is a you problem. Right. Maybe, well, maybe you, should, you didn't need to write a book. You just needed to like pretend. You needed, yeah, exactly. Well, one thing I've I've had the thought before. I haven't actually done it. Maybe I should. It's it's kind of died down on Facebook a little bit. But obviously, you know, weeks ago there were just like post after post about how all white people are so racist and they're complicitly being part of these systems, yada, yada, yada. I had this idea. I should comment and be like, hey, Jennifer or whoever it is, could you tell me specifically how you are racist? And not like, not, not like um, you know, like the pat answer of like, oh, we're all participating in racist systems. Right. But can you tell me how you, Jennifer, have racistly thought about a black person and i was thinking to myself like no one's gonna do that like all these people are obsessed with racist racism are not taking any like actual personal responsibility for anything that they might do or say or think it's all placed on this weird collective external group and i'm like it's just I don't, I don't believe that you actually care about racism in any way because I know that you would never say that you have done something racist to a black person. You know, like, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's, it's all kind of put yeah. on everybody else. So I, I think on the popular level, that's true. What the more sophisticated critical race theory activists will do is they will find an unbelievably insignificant uh, yes. A very harmless little example of something. And then they will act like they're very upset that they did this thing. And that they 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 it was just the their they their continued uh lapse into a white supremacist uh mindset or whatever that it's that just shows how pervasive white supremacy is that I would I would even do this or like the and it, it's basically what they do is they find the the, the most insignificant thing. Because by doing so, they're demonstrate they're they're virtue signaling to all their woke friends. I'm much more racially sensitive than you are, because I've even found racism in this completely normal human interaction that no reasonable person would ever think. <laughs> and yeah. you have failed. You aren't as anti-racist as I am, because you just think you're normal human. <laughs> Our normal human interactions and obviously you are less virtuous than i am because i've already i'm just so far beyond you in my journey to anti-racism my microscope is already much much bigger that's <laughs> what it yeah. comes down to. i have a way bigger microscope than you do yeah. obviously you just need to shut up and listen to me pontif- pontificate about racism now Oh. And, and that, that's that's how it works yeah 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 no that makes sense that makes sense <laughs> that there are, there are some who would definitely find a way around that yep you're right, right. um yeah white... let's talk about white privilege for a second yes too. go for it so white privilege has become a little bit passe actually because what what has happened on the left is that they've reached the point where anyone who denies white privilege is basically a neanderthal so they don't feel like they need to talk about it or argue for it anymore. It's just an obvious, self-evident fact of life uh, that no serious person denies. That's basically the attitude they have. So now it's it's things like anti-racism that are that are a major focus. White fragility is a major focus. They move past like trying to lay the rhetorical and logical and ideological groundwork and into it's time to weaponize this to help us win elections. 
And so that's that's basically where we're at now is that white privilege has been, um, it's not as big of a topic anymore. Um, they want to talk about systemic racism and white fragility a lot more. It's still preposterous. Uh, it's still pretty obviously wrong because the, the idea is that white people have, there's like a racial wealth gap and that proves white privilege or there's an income gap between white people and black people. So obviously it must be white privilege. But the thing is, is that if it's proof of white or white privilege that white people have better outcomes than black people, if success means that society is basically rigged in your favor, then it's really rigged in the favor of Asian people. Like it <laughs> blow up the whole narrative. I, that may also be part of the reason that they're trying to fold Asians in the white, and also part of the reason they don't they don't want to talk about white privilege as much anymore. And and the other thing too is that. And this may be part of the reason it's fading into obscurity a little bit, is that almost everything talked about in conversations about white privilege are really just unique problems within the black community. They like they'll say things like, It's my white privilege that I've never um had this like terrifying, awful interaction with a cop. And that makes sense on some level, but like also, most people have never had a terrifying interaction with a cop. Most people have never thought that the cop was going to kill them or whatever. And so it's, it's kind of bizarre to act like this is a uniquely white experience when it's absolutely not. Um, right. Like, none of their arguments work very well as being... Yeah, they're is- very, like, anecdotal. Like, you know, they're just like, it's not anything particularly compelling as far as data to support this overarching, like you said, very, like, obviously this is true it's like well obviously if it is true then there should be much better evidence that it is true than just you know people sharing somewhat similar stories in a very vague kind of way right and it should also be it should also be something where these things these supposed advantages that white people have should be things that only white people have right right well yeah I was, was going to say, if it's really just, I had two married parents privilege, or I grew up in a low crime area privilege, or whatever, like, the, yeah, yeah, the like, is, like, all these things that, like, they talk about, and, like, they'll do the thing, they'll do those things where, like, they have everyone, like, oh, hey, we're going to race, and, like, if, if no one's ever been shot in your neighborhood, take a step toward, and so, like, the idea that, like, the white people end up really far ahead of the black people, like at the beginning of race is like the idea that like black people take a step back because they had some hardship and white people take a step forward because they had some advantage. Like that's the idea here. But the thing is that like, I would love to see like, what would that look like if they had a bunch of Asian people (laughs) in that race? Yeah. Or Hispanic people. Or the Asian people taking whatever it is and because so many of these things are not are not unique to white people they're unique right. to people who had healthy families yes or yes like had money or whatever it is like they're not remotely unique to white people like there are things that like make you successful in life and like having those things like is an advantage for sure but like it's definitely not an advantage that only white people have in, in the ways in, in such a way that it would it would need to be for like something like I'm checking my white privilege to be a sensible statement. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. I don't know if you've seen that lady. There's this educator. I put educator in air quotes. It's oh, this old woman who, you know, she her whole shtick is she goes around and she's like, raise your hand if you'd rather grow up in the in the slums of Detroit or something like that. And it's like, okay, though, what are we are we talking about? Like, would I rather her point is basically that more people are going to choose a stereotypically like white upbringing or something. But like you said, the question to me isn't whether you're white or black. It's okay. If I'm, if I'm going to choose some random situation in which I'm going to grow up in, do I want to grow up a black person with two parents who are both lawyers or do I want to grow up a white person with a crackhead mom? Like, you know, like it's like this, that is a much more, honest comparison question to ask somebody about the situation at hand because if we're if we're talking about situations that are purportedly causing disadvantages or advantages Mm -hmm. are not determined by your skin color you know yeah Uh, Yeah. the the racial variable is not what's actually making the difference here yeah and 
I, I think white privilege is one of the, the places where the Marxist roots of this ideology is most clear because Marxism had, teaches conflict theory, which is that different groups are struggling together for power and resources. So in, it's basically a zero-sum game. And so if whites have an advantage, they, it must have happened by disadvantaging black people. Mm-hmm. And th- so that's basically the, the argument they make. But again, like this doesn't remotely t- turn on if you're, if you're white or black. And, and the other thing that's amazing about like the whole systemic racism theory is that we have millions and millions of people who, who would love to... It, it, and and, do, and many of them do as much as in their power everything they can to help black people succeed. Like that's the re- like Barack Obama even talks about this in his book that he basically just had to be a like halfway reasonably nice person and like black people would or and white people would fall all over themselves to promote him and and help him succeed in life and give him opportunities because he is black. And this was the like. Part of the point that Joe Biden was making in his super duper racist sounding comment that like he was like a, a black man who's like clean cut and articulate and like that's historic man because there's su- there's such a strong impression in uh, in America that like we ought to help black people get ahead because they have been mistreated by our country or whatever. So this idea that like all other things being equal, you're just way worse off being black than being white is bizarre. Yeah, because. If you're white, no one is lining up to help you get ahead. There's no scholarships that only go to white people. The if you had a scholarship that only went to white people, you would be <laughs> horrible racist. The college, the college would be burned down. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Any college that accepted that 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 scholarship money would be in trouble. But but there's all these there's all these funds for black people. Um, there's all these ways like. There's no, no one is, is trying to get black people or get white people promoted to jobs that they're not qualified for on the basis of the fact that they're white. There are right. no people who would love to hire a, a black person to work at their company or be an executive or whatever it is. Uh, and like in many of those cases, like those people, they can't find any black people to apply for the job. <laughs> and so there, there's like actually more demand in, in many sectors for black candidates than there are black candidates and so that's the other thing that makes this whole thing so ridiculous is that it's not just that most of the actors within the system are not racist against black people it's that they're they're actively like privileging and trying to help black people succeed in a way that they don't help other people uh, especially white people And, and that just makes the whole white privilege thing so ridiculous and the other thing that's that i think is is relevant to this conversation too with critical race theory is that it basically says that white people as a race are responsible for the sins of people they've never met and are probably not even related to. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it makes that demand of only white people and not anyone else. Because right. I guarantee you, any historian could go back and find examples of black people doing horrible things to other people a long time ago. Like if we if we can open up the history books and, yeah. and and do past sense, I mean, good night. The Mongolians had Genghis Khan. Like Genghis Khan was a monster. Do we think that Mongolians need to an endlessly self-flagellate yeah, over like, Genghis Khan? Yeah, do they yeah. need to check their Mongolian privilege? No. <laughs> they erected a freaking statue of Genghis Khan. It's gigantic. It's the the, the statue. You, you can look it up. The statue is like. I think it's like 70 feet tall. It's really <laughs> Well, and here's, here's, I mean, you're, you're making a very good point of, I mean, someone, I saw someone bring this up, you know, lately, like, so the Associated Press came out and said, we're going to capitalize the black community, but we're going to lowercase white. Yeah. And the reasoning for that is that black people have this like shared history and experience and whatever, and that white people don't. And I'm like, oh, really? Oh, so all of a sudden, white people don't have a shared history. I thought we all had a shared history of being oppressors. I thought we all had this shared history of profiting off of X, Y, and Z. But now, now we don't. For this for this moment in time, we have nothing in common with one another. It's, just yeah, like, it's so ridiculous. Uh, I can't believe. It, it's like in, in 1984, he talks about double thing. Yeah. And so double think is the idea that you can hold 
to completely ridiculously contradictory ideas in your head at the same time. And you just, you just live with the, the cognitive dissonance. And that's, that's what so much woke ideology is, is that like white people don't have a shared history and culture. And they, they like say, well, and, and if you press them, they'll say, well, like English people have a shared history and culture. And I'm like, but why isn't that work for black people? Like Kenya and Uganda are not the same country. Right. right. Like they have the same shared culture is kind of bizarre if you think about it. Yeah. Like it, it they they obviously like if there are two African countries that are right next to each other and like France and Germany are right next to each other, like the the degree of overlap between those cultures is going to be about the same. But it, it's not for any of this rhetoric. It makes no sense to act yeah. like the the shared history and culture is there for black people but not for white people. Right, or it's only there for white people when it happens to be useful in condemning white people. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so, like, basically, like a lot, what a lot, a lot of this revolves around is white guilt. That white people feel really bad for what other other white people did a long time ago. And like, in a sense, that's virtuous. In a sense, like, there's there's good intentions there, but no one else does this. <laughs> people are like, are not like. Oh man, I feel really bad about that time when we conquered that other country or something. Like that was bad. Taiwan, for example. <laughs> and I guarantee you, in a hundred years, when the Muslim Uyghurs who are in concentration camps right now have been released by then, like are are Chinese people going to endlessly self-flagellate because a hundred years ago China had concentration camps? I mean, no. <laughs> yeah, not unless the Marxists infiltrate their education system. Then maybe they will. <laughs> maybe they'll. That's the it thing. That you're... But but the critical race theory stuff isn't isn't a thing there. They're just if you don't know this, Chinese people are super duper racist against black people. By the way. Oh yeah, yeah. I've Did you see that, that commercial? That oh they... yeah, the washing machine one. Washing machine. It's yeah. so crazy. Like super racist. <laughs> but yeah, but or yeah. like. Another good example of this is if you want to like be incredibly depressed and like end up being a drunkard, read about the rape of Nanking when Japan invaded China in World War II. It was unbelievably sad. Like it will, it will curl your spine. Like what what they did to those people. But is Japan endlessly self-populating because not within living memory even like their country did something awful? No. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't you think people do this? I know you said like it's it, maybe it's virtuous. Maybe it is coming from this like this compassionate, sympathetic place. But I think it's just because people have been emotionally manipulated. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, it's it's totally like you're saying it's not natural. It's not common. It's not terribly productive, like to to <laughs> feel immense guilt over things that you did not personally participate in. But we have largely in this country, we have a system a university system all kinds of things that work actively to keep it at the front of your mind and yeah. make you feel bad about it it's so weird <laughs> but yeah. you know what actually maybe we should not say i was just thinking this maybe we shouldn't say that it's weird or it's ridiculous we, we should probably just call it evil we should just yeah. say that it's evil because i think it really is like it's it's just power grabbing emotional manipulation right. control i mean it's evil that's what it is yeah, and, and I think that, again, there's a sense in which, like, there's a kernel of truth here with, like, a desire to turn away from the sins of our forefathers. Like, I think that's fine. Yeah, yeah. If you want to say, hey, like, Jim Crow was bad, let's make sure we don't do that. I'm in favor of that. Like, history is a, a useful teacher in that way. But that's not remotely what's happening here. We're not, there is no Jim Crow. We're not... And we're, and if the if the conversation was just like, hey, Jim Crow is bad. Let's make sure we don't go back to that. I would be like, yes. So maybe we shouldn't have black only graduation ceremonies. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we shouldn't in your autonomous zones have black only spaces where no right. no only people of color are allowed in, in these spaces. Like they just become the photo negative of the thing they say they hate. Yeah. Uh, that so much of critical race theory when you when you get down to it is just we're going to replay the injustices of the past but we're going to we're going to switch the, the races around yeah and that's why like i don't know if you saw i'm sure you saw the the picture of 
that guy kneeling on the white, the black guy kneeling on the white toddler's neck. Yeah. Uh, and saying BLM now. Um, at the risk of nut picking, which is a real, a real danger. Like nut picking is the idea that like you try to define a, a group or a movement by its worst actors. Um, but I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Black Lives Matter is inspiring that kind of thing. No, not at all. Um, because Black Lives Matter ideology, critical race theory, like what they what they teach is that we have to punish the oppressor class. The oppressor class must be punished. The, the oppressor class must become subservient to the righteous victims, the righteous oppressed. And so there, the, the, the desire for retribution, which is basically what that guy was trying to do in that picture, he was trying to pr provide a measure of retribution for George Floyd. That's a natural outworking of everything Black Lives Matter says. Yeah. And that's, this is why I don't think I'm nutpicking here, because when, like, if some crazy conservative does something wacky or, or evil even like that's not a problem unless he did it like out of a natural reading of conservative ideology and so that that's i think the difference here is that the the racial segregation so the gospel coalition i, I think i told you about this on our last podcast that the gospel coalition practiced racial segregation at one of their conferences um the gospel coalition is a christian uh website one of the bigger ones in the world actually um, and one of their conferences, they practice racial segregation. And that's the kind of thing that I don't think I'm nutpicking when, when I say that, like, we're, they basically want to bring back Jim Crow, but just not with white people at the top anymore. Because if you don't bring back Jim Crow, like, have you actually avenged the sins of the past? And a desire for vengeance is just inescapable throughout this whole movement. It's because they don't have Jesus. And, and this is the thing that, that, that's inescapable with this whole conversation, is the, the choices in life are endless cycles of vengeance until we just kill each other. Or we say together that those sins were evil, but Jesus died to pay the penalty for those sins, and that those sins have been covered now by the blood of Christ. Like, those are the options. It's, it's endless strife. Or it's we we all stand at the foot of the cross on our knee. Like that's those are the options. And that's why I think Christians have to resist this so strongly because it's so antithetical to Christianity in, in every way. It's about grievance mongering. It's about establishing your your grief status as a victim of society or a victim of other groups. And none of that is conducive to harmony. None, none of that is 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 Martin Luther King's dream, even. And Martin Luther King had his problems, but he recognized that you had to do this in a way that doesn't produce endless recrimination. Yeah. yeah. In, in a way that, that doesn't produce endless racial strife. Now it's Terry Crews. Terry Crews fighting the good fight. <laughs> I see he's he's the one pointing out very obvious things too. He's a liberal. Like he's not even <laughs> conservative at all. He's just saying, like, hey, I don't want to like hate on white people. I just wanna like help black people <laughs> he's doing like he's he's someone who's trying to like he's trying to make the world a better place and he's trying to actually do things that might accomplish that and so for that he should be lauded um yeah. but like that's such a controversial thing right um, right well and what you're saying i mean is christians especially must recognize you cannot buy into the idea that's being presented that we're going to achieve this somehow apart from the gospel it's not going to happen you know like and i think they wouldn't admit that they think that but the reality is like you said if we just if we just take blm at its word if we just follow its ideology where it leads it's not leading to the gospel it's not going to like no. let's let's practice forgiveness let's Let's reconcile to one another because of the great equalizer, Jesus Christ. That's not where it's going. And so if you want to ride that train, you're not going towards the cross. You're going in yeah. the opposite direction. And unfortunately, yeah. you know, there's just so many people that I think somehow, I guess it's that double think where they think I can do this and I can also honor Christ. I was like, right. you can't. <laughs> it's not happening. Yeah. So let me, uh, I, I think this probably could be the final point I'll make here. Okay. I, I heard a podcast, uh, it was a liberal podcast, Ezra Klein's podcast. He was talking to um, 
a Black Lives Matter activist about l- what it would look like for America to like seriously interrogate its racial past and and like what would they like to have happen? And what the, what the guy said was that he wanted to have basically the equivalent of a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Which if you're if you're not familiar with that, a Truth and Reconciliation Commission is basically where if you have something like horrific happen, they did it after apartheid in South Africa. They did it after um, the the Rwandan genocide as well. And basically you had people speaking to like, hey, I did this thing and it was bad. And like they, basically the people who did bad things were required to like confess um, to the people they had wronged. Like I did this thing and it was bad and to like to the country in a sense, like a measure of repentance. And the victims were allowed to speak as well and like say how it affected them or how it hurt them or whatever. And like, that was what basically what he was proposing for America. and. The problem with that is that I'm pretty sure Bull Connor's dead. Virtually everyone who was involved in Jim Crow is dead now, or or practically all are. And, and especially slavery. Like, slavery is long, long gone. So Truth and Reconciliation Commissions make perfect sense if we're talking about something that happened recently and, and happened between people who are still alive and can have that reconciliation. But to put the best construction on critical race theory in the Marxist movement, they're seeking a, a kind of reconciliation. They're seeking a kind of closure for the sins of the past that were created, that were committed by white people. The problem is, is that they just can't accept that there is no cosmic justice in this life. And, and sometimes like great injustice has happened and they can't be fixed and they can't be reconciled because it happened too long ago yeah. or wh- whatever it is. Like none of the people who were slaved, enslaved or, or owned slaves, none of those people are alive. Like that ship has sailed, and like that sucks. And and, and I, I recognize that like it's in a sense very unsatisfying to lots of people that like the kind this kind of truth and Re- reconciliation commission can't happen for slavery, and it really probably can't happen for Jim Crow. I just open to it if you wanted to like dig up like <laughs> O'Connor or somebody like who who mistreated black people and like say you need to re- like do a re- truth and reconciliation with the 90-year-old black person you oppressed, like, I mean, yeah, that'd be fine, I guess. But but this idea that you're gonna do it with people who had nothing to do with anything. And like, and you're gonna cut, you're gonna make these divisions based on skin color is bizarre. Like, what if somebody like immigrated from Nigeria last year? Were they affected by Jim Crow? No. (laughs) Immigrated from Britain last year. Were they a a slave owner or a Jim Crow racist? like it's it's bizarre and so it's trying to achieve a level of closure that can't happen because like we missed the boat like it's over well and and i think oh no go ahead go ahead right until jesus comes go ahead yeah oh i was just gonna say i think it's interesting everything that you're saying you know rings very true and i see also this reality of not being able to accept that is Mm -hmm. leading people down it's making them become the thing they hate. You know, it's this this bizarre, I wonder, I mean, I'm sure there's parallels and all kinds of things, but not extending forgiveness, not, you know, trusting God with justice, not doing the things that we're commanded to do. I'm, I'm seeing it play out is that the people who are stubborn in their refusal to forgive others, to extend the grace they would like to receive. I mean, it's turning them into hateful people, racist people, controlling people. Like, you know, it's like, this is a very, very dangerous road to walk. Um, And you're right. I mean, there's just, I guess we're, we're sitting in the middle of very people who are very unsatisfied and they're, they're dissatisfied. They're dissatisfied for different reasons, but the only thing that's going to soothe and heal and get us through to the end is, Jesus. It's not yeah. this committee. It's not reparations. Right. It's not finding new words to condemn right. people. It's it's what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I, I think, uh, and this is why Marxism is such a dangerous religion because it, it's, it, 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 to use a, um, <laughs> to use a, to borrow a phrase, it's the opiate of the masses that Marxism is it inoculates people, it hides from them their need for the gospel, their need for Christ. 
And so um, that, that's why it's such a dangerous religion is that it, it promises people salvation and promises people reconciliation that it absolutely cannot deliver. Yeah, very well said. I think that's why Christians need to resist this so strongly. Critical race theory teaches that what, what America needs is not repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. What America needs is the implementation of Marxist ideology. And that, that is what they're, that, that's what they're doing, whether they realize it completely or not. Um, but yeah, that, that's why it's so dangerous and that's why we have to fight. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tim, as always. Super informative, insightful. Thanks for sharing this. I know we have lots of people who are really looking forward to this one. So, cool. I hope I, I hope I lived up to their expectations. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Maybe this one will become the new most popular downloaded yeah. episode. We'll see. Awesome. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you.